for hundreds of thousands of years, maybe millions of years, we've evolved with the plants around us. Having packaged foods or fast foods is a very recent thing. We're not genetically set up for that. We're more genetically set up to have this, you know, diurnal variations, seasonal variations in what we do. And it's very much connected to one of the things we talk about is the microbiome inside our bodies. And so our microbiomes, that's the good, friendly organisms, microorganisms that live inside our guts, on our skin, in our ears, in our air. So we're part of this community. We're not separate from the ecosystem. We're part of the ecosystem inside of us and outside of us. And so we've evolved with all these things. So the more we adhere to, you know, a more seasonal, natural way of being, the healthier we're going to be. Just That's just because that's the natural way of being. Welcome to Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned as an ICU Physician with Dr. Anthony Orsini. Dr. Orsini is a practicing physician and president and CEO of the Orsini Web. As a frequent keynote speaker and author, Dr. Orsini has been training healthcare professionals and business leaders how to navigate through the most difficult dialogues. Each week, you will hear inspiring interviews with experts in their field who tell their story and provide practical advice on how to effectively communicate. Whether you are a doctor faced with giving a patient bad news, a business leader who wants to get the most out of his or her team members, or someone who just wants to learn to communicate better, this is the podcast for you. Well, welcome to another episode of Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned as an ICU Physician. This is Dr. Anthony Orsini, and I'll be your co-host again today, along with Elizabeth Porak-Chris. For those of you who listen to the podcast, Elizabeth, as you know, is the Director of Program here at the Orsini Way, and she's been a guest on the podcast and a co-host several times, so we're lucky to have her today. Today, we have the honor of having two guests who happen to be married. Today, my guests are Dr. Sandra Camerata and Dr. Giovanni Campanile, who together wrote the incredible book, The Secret Sicilian Diet Plan, in which they introduced the pleasure and wonderful health benefits of the Sicilian version of the Mediterranean diet. And they are both uniquely qualified to talk about how to live and eat healthy. Dr. Campanile is a clinical and functional cardiologist and founding director of the Chamber Center for Wellbeing in Morristown, New Jersey. He's a Harvard-trained cardiologist who is board-certified in five different specialties and subspecialties, including cardiology, internal medicine, interventional cardiology, integrative medicine, and anti-aging regenerative medicine. He's also a researcher at the world-renowned Framingham Heart Study. And with those qualifications, it's no wonder that he was the cardiologist for former president of the United States, George H.W. Bush. Dr. Sandra Camerata practices psychiatry and child and adolescent psychiatry at Tufts University. She was born in Milan, Italy, but raised in Catania, Sicily. She graduated summa cum laude from Catania Medical School and then moved to the United States with her husband, Giovanni. This is no doubt a smart family and two people who are uniquely qualified, as I said earlier, to talk about this subject. Well, I want to thank both of you and thank Liz and thank all of you for being here together. I'm real excited to go ahead and talk about your book. It's uh, something that I've been reading and trying to follow. So I have a zillion questions for both of you, but I first want to say thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Liz, for joining in also. It's my pleasure. Fantastic. This is a really exciting topic. I've been looking forward to this. Liz knows uh, Dr. Kim Benil for a while, right, Liz? Dr. Kim Benil is your cardiologist. Yep. 
Exactly. Awesome. You're pretty lucky. If I was in New Jersey, he'd be mine too, but I'm no longer there. And so Liz put us together. I read the book. It's been absolutely amazing. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. I love the concept because it's so easy. But before we get into the book, let's just get the audience to get to know each of you personally so that they get to know you. Well, hello, and uh, thank you for having us. I'm a traditionally trained cardiologist. I trained up in Boston, and I was a very active interventional cardiologist, putting stents in many patients every year. And I had the good fortune early on in my career to meet uh, Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, who's the president of Vassar University and one of the foremost authorities on naturopathic medicine in the, in the world. And he and I worked together to create a program to teach naturopathic medicine to allopathic physicians. And that's how I learned about the incredible benefits of things we don't learn about in medical school, nutrition and lifestyle. And it became apparent to me when I was doing all these stents that unfortunately these Poor patients, you know, it's a completely preventable disease, having coronary disease that make you get heart attacks, stents, bypass surgery. These are life-altering events that is completely preventable. I then had the good fortune of meeting Dr. Dean Ornish, who's a well-known researcher, and I started the reversal of heart disease program for Atlantic Health for the East Coast. And we saw firsthand how lifestyle medicine or lifestyle changes can actually reverse disease. And then Sandra and I, my wife, we spent many years traveling and interviewing people in Sicily. And we found that the Sicilians who live a very good Mediterranean diet type of lifestyle have a great health span. And that means that the health span is really the goal for all of us. And that's the elimination of disease at the end of your life where longevity is based on not having certain diseases. And the most common diseases that affect Americans are diabetes, strokes, heart attacks, which are very much diet-related or lifestyle-related and very much preventable. So Sandra is a psychiatrist. I'm a cardiologist. We both use nutrition significantly in our practices, and we found that our patients benefited from it greatly. The Mediterranean diet in particular is very good for health promotion. And the Sicilian version that Sandra will talk more about of the Mediterranean diet is a very unique version of the Mediterranean diet. So we decided to write a book and, you know, this led to the, the secret Sicilian diet plan. And the book is excellent. We'll talk about that in a second. So Sandra, from being from Italy, boy, uh, how was that growing up? Italy and uh, Catania. And how old were you when you finally came over? I came over when I graduated medical school when I was 24, and then I started my residency at Tafts, like you said. So it was a big change. It was a dramatic change, especially in the culture of food and nutrition. And realizing, asking my patients, especially working with children about family, that they had disappeared completely. Occasionally, people have a one Sunday family dinner, not always. And the excuse is always, I don't have time. There are sports. Everybody's all over the place. We don't have the same schedule. And because I know that we have our family, we have our kids, we both work full time, and we still manage to have dinners every night in spite of our kids' sports. I know that it's doable. With that, I'm not saying that it is easy and requires a lot of plans and requires a lot of understanding of what are the goals or why are we doing this, which is the most important message to give to people. Why do we want to promote eating healthy 
eating together, preparing meals together and sharing it together. It is all part of what we call a diet. The Greeks called diet, diet, which means lifestyle. That is what we're promoting. Something that involves all these things. There are five things that help us to live long. Healthy diet, healthy sleep, exercise, connecting with others, and the ability to stay in the present. Learning how to meditate and stay present. That's probably the hardest one. Eating and staying present is also very difficult. I've tried to meditate. Not so good. Yeah. <laughs> I last about 10 seconds and I'm off something. Like that. Well, that is good 10 seconds. And I think that is the most important thing to remind ourselves. 10 seconds is good. Being present for 10 seconds, you have connected with yourself first. But if you can connect also with the taste, the flavors, the time that is spent with that, then you really connect, not just with yourself, but with your health, with your cells, with your genes, with your ancestors, and with your future. I could really relate to the Sunday dinners until I moved two and a half hours away from my father's from Newark, New Jersey. My grandparents lived there. Sunday afternoon family dinner was a non-negotiable item, even after I got married. Like that was, you were going to be at your grandmother's. I remember growing up going, but why does it have to be at two o'clock? I don't know if your family did that, but we used to have Sunday dinner. Yeah. Two or three o'clock. And that so. was the time. One to two o'clock is the time. The big compromise when we started to get busy is my grandmother like really compromised and agreed to to do dinner at three so we could have a little bit longer. But you went to mass, you came home, you had a little snack. You know, in those days you couldn't eat before you had the host. It was the same with us. It was non-negotiable. And and I think this is a very important point you're making because it's not just diet, it's how we live our lives. And that getting together with family and friends is very important. It's the connection in Italy. It's almost unheard of for families, especially in Sicily and Southern Italy, to eat dinner on the run like we do here in America. I mean, everyone gets together for midday meal and then a dinner at night. You always get together. And that connection, this has been looked at in the reversal of heart disease research. That's one of the pillars of reversal of heart disease. So it's a very powerful effect to be connected with other people. But if you don't have that, you can't get reversal of heart disease, which is kind of interesting. Really great. So Sandra, so you grew up with this way of eating in Sicily. Were you aware growing up that this was healthy? And then as you became a physician, when did you make that connection of like, wow, this is the key? Was that after you met Giovanni? Like, when did you put that two and two together about how healthy the Sicilian diet is? Well, I think coming to America <laughs> opened my eyes <laughs> to the difference. Right? There's pretty dramatic difference. The amount of snacks, how big the portions are, how big the drinks are, how much food is constantly pushed even when you're done eating. There is a constant, let's stop here and have this, let's bring a snack with us. We can move two minutes without having a snack. And so it started to become a little bit overwhelming, this idea of food always present, the touch with season. The seasonality of food here was lost. I would walk into a supermarket and get completely confused. I didn't realize that we in the spring and we in the summer, we have everything here. It's not possible. Now, in Italy, it's changing too, unfortunately. But when I grew up, it was clear. You ate only in season. And I think one interesting thing writing the book that we discover is that there are many reasons why we eat in season. One is because, of course, 
the nutrients are the riches in season. But also we discovered that when you eat in season, our body absorbs and utilizes the foods differently and prepares for the new foods to come. And so we make the change. We make the physiological change to welcome tomatoes in the summer. Genetically, for hundreds of thousands of years, maybe millions of years, we've evolved with the plants around us. Having packaged foods or fast foods is a very recent thing. We're not genetically set up for that. We're more genetically set up to have this diurnal variation, seasonal variations in what we do. And it's very much connected to one of the things we talk about is the microbiome inside our bodies. And so our microbiomes, that's the good, friendly organisms, microorganisms that live inside our guts, on our skin, in our ears, in our hair. And, our, and so we're part of this community. We're not separate from the ecosystem. We're part of the ecosystem inside of us and outside of us. And so we've evolved with all these things. So the more we adhere to you know, a more seasonal, natural way of being, the healthier we're going to be. Just, that's just because that's the natural way of being. Liz and I have had several talks about this, different diets and eating healthy, et cetera. I know Liz is very health conscious, so I'll ask her to weigh in on this. But even as a physician, I've been so confused about what the hell is healthy to eat and how I should eat. As you get older, you put on a couple pounds a year and doing less exercise than busy. But, you know, you read Atkins diet, right? Oh, my goodness. You know, you can't have any carbohydrates. If I'm not mistaken, didn't Atkins die of a myocardial infarction, I think. He slipped on the ice and died and had a subdural hematoma, but they did an autopsy and he had severe triple vessel coronary disease. There you go. So I have a sister-in-law who hasn't eaten a carbohydrate, I think, in 10 years. That is really sad just to hear that. that yes, it is. She deprived herself of carbohydrates for 10 years. Yeah. You read the Atkins book and the average person reads it. Even someone who's got a medical background, so it kind of makes sense. And then you read another book and there's all these fad diets and you throw your hands up after a while and go, I don't know what the hell. Well, that's one of the reasons why we wrote the book is because our position on this is more, let's see what populations have done over the years rather than studies because nutritional studies are notoriously bad studies. They're based on questionnaires, for instance, eggs, you know, one week eggs are good, one week eggs are bad. There are some good nutritional studies, but very few. And it's a very hard thing to study because there's so many variables that affect nutrition. So what we look at is populations. You've probably heard of the blue zones in the world that have people live long and well. And this is the sort of research we look at is like, what do populations do that and how have they done well with the traditions that have been passed down from their ancestors? And this is where the Sicilian version of the Mediterranean diet or any Mediterranean diet is very important because these are traditions that have been passed on from generation to generation. What works well has been captured. It doesn't work well has been omitted. And so people live well with this kind of diet for whatever reason, because we don't know everything. You know, we try to make things very elemental because in America, that's what we look at. We want a silver bullet. You know, I want to take vitamins. We don't want to do the work that's necessary. I always tell my patients, like everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die to get there. But <laughs> it takes a little bit of work to think about this. You know, it's one- not just to think about it, it's to plan it, correct? And, and it takes work, correct? And also to understand what is nutrition, like you said, with all the confusion that comes from all these diets. So I think what Giovanni was saying very well, 
is that we don't need to rediscover. We need to get in touch with the knowledge that we already have and understand why this is good knowledge, actually, that we don't need to try and try it again. So balance, carbohydrates are very important and necessary for the brain health and necessary for overall health. And we know that whole grains, we know the beans, we know all the legumes in general do help to maintain a healthy and balanced diet and prevent cancer, prevent diabetes, prevent hypertension, prevent Alzheimer's. We know all of this already. So we don't need to eliminate carbohydrates. We need to know which carbohydrates are the healthy carbohydrates to eat. The bottom line is that we very much believe in a quality diet. Your food has to be the highest quality it can possibly be without eliminating any macronutrients. That's what a lot of people want to do. They want to eliminate one macronutrient or increase a different macronutrient. In the Sicilian version of the Mediterranean diet, we eat everything. It's a, it's, you eat everything, but you eat saturated fats. We know in high quantities, for instance, are not good for you, but in small quantities, they're actually okay. You can eat saturated fats in small quantities. Fish is tremendously beneficial. And uh, a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruit and legumes. These are the basics of a Mediterranean diet. And when we did our study on dairy, you know, we went deeper and deeper because it's probably one of the most controversial topic, you know, a dairy in or out, right? That we discover again, there are certain saturated fats that are actually good. And whole milk and whole yogurt milk, especially very good studies in preventing diabetes and inflammation and chronic illness. So again, everything in moderation, everything in good balance is very good. And Liz, you've had your health challenges. And so how much have you used what Dr. Campanile has taught you to help you recover from your challenges? And you're pretty healthy at this point. And tell us about how you first met Dr. Campanile and why you thought this was awesome. So I'm going to back up just for a second and say that I'm so glad that we're talking about this because there's so much misinformation around about how to eat healthy, how to avoid certain health conditions. In my family, my daughter has cystic fibrosis and is on a very high fat diet. So growing up, we always had family dinners with our children and Bella's a twin and family dinners were very important to us. So we always managed to work around their school schedules, but Bella's need to maintain her weight and gain weight was always such a struggle. She did ultimately wind up getting a G-tube when she was eight, but we only use that for supplemental calories. But what kind of nutrition we gave her was always very challenging. Yes, it was easy to go to McDonald's and get her some French fries to get the fat in, but was that the best thing for her overall health? So now as a college athlete, she plays lacrosse and she doesn't have the G-tube anymore as of a couple of weeks ago, which is amazing. But she's really concerned about how to maintain her weight and actually increase her weight during the season because she's working out six days a week. So there's a lot of talk in our family about what foods are healthy, what foods are unhealthy, and how to maximize every little bit of nutrition that you do put in your body. She said, you know, mom, I really don't feel good when I drink soda. I said, well, that's easy. Stop drinking soda. (laughs) So some of those conversations, but for myself, as, as Dr. Rossini mentioned, I've had two different types of cancer. First, a blood cancer that is recurring and a breast cancer diagnosis a couple of years ago and really started for myself to look at ways that I could make sure that I remain healthy. And there's so much misinformation. Can you eat meat? Can't you eat meat? Can't you have dairy? And there's so much conflicting information. 
does sugar feed cancer? Does sugar not feed cancer? But through my amazing team of physicians like Dr. Campanile, like my hematologist who keep bringing up things like the Mediterranean diet, and I happen to love to cook and I love to feed people and I love to have people in my kitchen, it's been a really great way for me to incorporate the lifestyle that I love with the health changes I'm trying to make and bring in more of that Mediterranean Sicilian kind of cooking. But it's really hard to know where to start. So I guess my question to you would be, if someone's starting on trying to focus more on their health and start on this journey, where do they begin? First of all, the Mediterranean diet, a Sicilian Mediterranean diet, it's not a low-fat diet. There are a good amount of fats, but more good fats, like polyunsaturated, monounsaturated fats from olive oil and nuts and seeds and things of that sort. In fact, I don't know if you've heard about the PREDIMED trial, which is a one of the only really randomized trials on the Mediterranean diet. It was done in Spain, and they gave one group, this is randomized, one group a Mediterranean-style diet, the other group a normal diet in Spain, which is more Mediterranean to begin with than American diet is anyway. And they increased olive oil and nuts, basically, in this diet. And there was greater than a 30% reduction in stroke rate and diabetes and heart disease. And the amount of fat these people were eating was about 40% of their calories was good fats, as opposed to the Institute of Medicine recommending in America that we eat no more than 25% fat. So this idea of fat, you know, it depends on what kind of fat you're eating. So it's an important question because olive oil, you know, many, many different polyphenols and other substances in olive oil or in other, in avocado, in nuts, nuts have a lot of fiber and omega-3s. So the quality of the food is very important. If you eat what we call nutrition poor foods or empty calories and you get fat, that's deleterious. If on the other hand, you're eating these good fats with all the other associated good components in these foods, then you're augmenting your food. I've talked about a concept called nutritional intelligence. The reason why we eat is because we have to nourish ourselves. And when we get enough of the good nourishment from energy-rich foods, we stop eating. It's a satiating effect. This is one of the reasons why there's obesity is that when you eat empty calories, you just eat more and more. Your body's looking for the nutrition. So you're eating more and more. Like you can eat a, a lot of chips and you're not getting a lot of nutrition. So there's this over-reliance on empty calories. And you were talking about cancer. There are very good studies on extra virgin olive oil and cancer prevention. So very good anti-cancerogenic effect of the extra virgin olive oil. So we were talking about what is the Sicilian diet. I think you pretty much covered what the Sicilian diet is, but do you want to just kind of describe it again for those people that are listening? Yeah, the Sicilian diet is a little bit different, but Sandra can explain it well, better than me. It's a little bit different because it's the true, unique fusion cuisine. So Sicily, because it's at the center of the Mediterranean world, the, the umbilicus mundi, the belly bottom of the world that was invaded by everybody. Romans used to call it umbilicus Monday, the belly button of the world. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, my grandfather was from Naples and he used to say, yeah, if anybody was bored in the afternoon, they would just go ahead and conquer Sicily because there's been so many. <laughs> exactly. That's, wow. a, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but what the Sicilians did very well, masterfully, is that they understood what was the food that was good, the recipes that were exciting to them, and they incorporated them. So they never let go of what they already knew how to cook and incorporated every cuisine that came into their lives. 
And this is because there's about 22 countries in the Mediterranean basin. And most of these countries invaded and occupied Sicily for hundreds of years at a time. So it made a big difference on the cuisine. So I do believe that everybody has a piece of Sicily in them, right? That genetically, we all have a piece of Sicily in us because of this melting pot. But again, what they did very well is using all the recipes and the most important things. So when the Spanish, the Jews, the Arabs invaded, they all brought their food culture. And so they mixed everything together. And now we have these foods and these dishes that are really unique to Sicily. They're not present anywhere else. And they always eat in seasons. And so it is unique. You can eat healthy. You can eat tasteful food because you cannot keep a diet unless there is taste to it. It's not possible. That's what we feel about the Sicilian version of the Mediterranean diet, that it's a uniquely delicious and diversified food because of these influences. And the French influence, you could tell the story about how the French brought in their their cooks. It was actually during the Spanish invasion. The Spanish aristocracy brought the French cooks into their lives and the French cooks were called Monsieur and in Sicilian then become Monsou. And the Monsou lived in court, in the Sicilian aristocracy's courts, and they had the women from the peasants, women, they cooked together. So they used to have pheasants and they filled it with uh, raisins and pine nuts and herbs. And of course, that was way too expensive for the peasants to have. So they would go home and have sardines. That's the fish that they had. They had tons of it. Instead of making stuffed birds, they made stuffed sardines because that was the local food. They still make it as one of the favorite and they're called... Sarda Beccafico. Sarda Beccafico. Beccafico is the the bird. Wow. So so you get this dish at a restaurant and it's it's called sardine made the bird way or Beccafico. And you wonder why. That's why. I love that. That's great. So for those of you out there, the book, what I love about the book, and you can pretty much read this book in one day because it reads so quickly, but also it's just, you can't put it down. But the beginning of the book is really hardcore references. So it's facts. What I liked about it is that you present what the Sicilian diet is. You mentioned that I think there's more centenarians in Sicily than anywhere else where their lifespan is so long. And then you really get into what the diet is, what it is. And then I just turned to the page now, you actually give specific what to eat. You got day one through day 30, which is was beautiful. And I'm reading here day one, for instance, is for breakfast. It tells you what to have and granola with some fruit and coffee and, and a little bit of dairy. And then there's a little snack of yogurt. So it's really nutrition that your mother and grandmother taught you way back then that unprocessed foods are healthy and grains and legumes. And everything fresh is better than everything processed. I mean, is that a fair summation of the whole diet? Well, again, growing up in Sicily, no one ate anything that came from any boxes. Maybe the (laughs) pasta box is the only box that was allowed to be open when we didn't make it at home. So there was no concept of anything. And people will walk to the store every single day. So you get your bread and you get your meat and you get your fish and you get your produce. And sometimes twice a day, you would go and get whatever you needed. So everything couldn't be more fresh than it was. And now we know that even when we buy organic salads, pre-washed, how long do those salads last? If you look at that, there's an impossibility. Salad that has been picked, washed, and chopped 
to last that long unless there is some processing happening. And so by the time you eat that salad has lost up to 50-60% of the nutrition value. So that is the other important thing. Walk to a farmer's market when you can, when you have it next to you, because the nutrition value is significant higher and you're eating in season most likely, because that's what the farmers are going to bring, whatever they have. And little simple things. After I read your book, I still have pasta on Sundays. That's just something that we've done my whole life. I, Liz is we laughing. We do too. <laughs> yeah. So for the first time last week, I bought whole wheat pasta. I never even thought about it before. And I'm like, hey, it doesn't really taste that much different. It's fine. And it's so much healthier. You mentioned ancient grain pasta in your, I assume that's the same thing or is that different? Well, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit less grainy than the whole wheat pasta. So if you find the farro pasta, you know, spelt the pasta or camet pasta, it's a little bit less grainy. And again, if you want to spend a little bit of time on a Sunday to make your pasta and you find the flour, it's very easy. If you put 80% of a camet or spelt and a 20% a whole wheat flour to make a delicious pasta and pasta. Is actually one of the healthiest things that you can eat because all these flours have a lot of protein actually in it. And if you eat the whole grain, the amount of minerals present and fibers present are much higher. And we have to remember that when we want to feed our healthy microbiome, the healthy bacteria, they feed in fibers. So the more fibers we put and the more they multiply, they break down the fibers, they multiply and they're healthy. Most people are not gluten intolerant, but some people are. And we recently made a buckwheat pasta. Buckwheat is uh, gluten-free and it was great. So you can even be gluten-free, even though we don't think most people need to be gluten-free. Gluten has been eaten for thousands of years. It's not necessary to be. But if you really are gluten intolerant or you have celiac disease where you really can't have gluten in any way, there are options. Some newer pastas are great. You know, they're made out of beans, they're made out of lentils, they're made out of all sorts of things. You know, I mentioned the Blue Zones before. In Sardinia, Italy, the longest living men in the world are in Sardinia, Italy, in the mountains, and their diet is 70% grains. So the idea that grains are in and of themselves are bad for you is, is probably not true. It's the quality of the grains that's really important. If you have processed grains with a lot of modifications and things like that, then they're probably not good for you. And that goes for any food, any food that's processed has hormones, has antibiotics used to raise it, it's probably not the best food for you. So the, you know, sourcing of your food is super important. You mentioned how physicians and medical students are not trained on really nutrition, integrative medicine, which you are, is now we had Michelle Nyer on and integrative medicine is becoming more and more popular now. But, you know, I can just tell you from my own personal view, my father, who's just turned 80, he's got diabetes. He gets different nutritional advice from every single doctor he goes to. So I'll tell him one thing, you know, he's actually, he's monitoring his sugar all the time. And he's always trying to make sense of why is it high? Why is it low? This and that. But his family practitioner is telling him one diet and is, and when I tell you a diet, I'm telling you like the entire nutritional advice by some of these doctors is don't eat carbs. That's the whole advice. And I think he's very confused because the cardiologist is telling him one thing. The family doctor is telling him something else. He's got his son 
chirping in his ear. Of course, he doesn't listen to me. I mean, I don't know how it's like. You know, know, every family member, I don't know if it's like with every family member calls me up with advice and then doesn't take it. And they're like, well, why are you bothering me? It's funny. My my mother did the same thing with me. Your mother will ask you a question. You'll answer it medically. And then she'll do because the lady two doors down told her something different. She decided to go with her advice instead. (laughs) That's the way my mother was. Once I told my mother to take a baby aspirin. Then I took her to the doctor with me. And the doctor said, she should take a baby aspirin. She turns around, see how smart he is? He told me to take a baby aspirin. <laughs> Not you, the physician that she was talking about. Right. Yeah, that's okay. so funny. Yeah, so nobody ever listens. But then again, well, I guess the two of you are both physicians, but the same thing goes with spouses, right? Like your spouse, like, you know. My spouse never listens to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, she's a doctor. She already knows. So the great thing about the book for those people out there is that it really has a nice basis to let you understand what good nutrition is. It makes sense because it's what you innately think that it would be. It gives you the specific, like what to eat on the first 30 days. And of course, change that around. And then Sandra has her recipes here, which is really good. I'm not trying to endorse any particular place, but there's some supermarket chains that pride themselves on healthy food. Do you have any recommendations for finding some of these healthy stuff? Like when I went to Publix, for instance, you know, I found whole wheat pasta, but I didn't find the other, couldn't find Faro. Any recommendations on where you shop or? The best way to get all these healthy foods. Sandra and Menta can tell you about where shopping, but just before we get there, when we're talking about the quality of the food, especially plants, we have to understand that the quality of the nutrition in plants comes from the soil. It's really the quality of the soil that makes the difference in the quality of the food. You know, organic is one thing where it's clean, it doesn't have pesticides in it, but that doesn't really necessarily tell you the nutrient content of the food. What you really want to know is, does this plant or this food come from a nutrient-rich environment? Our son is a permaculture farmer in North Carolina. He went to medical school for two years, hated it, and now is a permaculture farmer. And that basically, he creates quality soil. There's a picture I show some of my patients. Some of these factory farms, the soil is like an inch thin. There's really just an inch of soil, nothing to it. The roots of the plants are like a couple of inches thick. While in nature, if you look at plants like our our wild plants, the roots go down like 10 feet. So I have a picture of a man standing next to the roots of a wild plant and then a picture of these factory farms. And this has been studied. Vegetables and and fruit from the 1950s had maybe five to 10 times more nutrient density than our plants from today from some of these factories for a variety of reasons, you know, tilling of the soil, the soil's depleted. So the best way to find good food is to, and we endorse finding good local farms where you get to know where the food comes from. And that way you support these local farmers that are having a hard time trying to make quality foods. Or you go to a good supermarket or a farmer's market like Sandra will talk to you about. Farmer's markets for produce, absolutely. That's the most direct source of good produce. But when you're looking for grains, when you're looking for flowers, Depends on where you live. Here in the Northeast, we have much more selection. I'm sure, you know, it's present in Florida, so it's easier for us to find uh, ancient grain pasta, ancient grains flowers, uh, ancient grains in general at most supermarkets and Whole Foods, Traders Joe. They have more variety of that. And of course, there is always, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of ordering from Amazon. They have a lot of variety of things available, even organic ancient grain pastas. 
I like that because I mean, most people are listening here going, you know, this is phenomenal, but also every in the United States, especially right, everybody's so busy. So to make their own pasta sounds great, but most of the time they have kids in little league and they're running all over the place and they work. And so to be able to have that ancient grain pasta there and be able to throw that in and maybe make some sauce or gravy as my grandmother would call it, you know, be able to stir that up real quickly. Most of your recipes are actually very quick. Well, that's what I did. I changed the longer version into a much faster version and still trying to preserve the taste of the food, which, you know, was a challenge, but I think it's okay. The taste is still preserved without necessarily doing the longer version. So my guilty pleasure is I love to watch Stanley Tucci searching Italy. I kind of watch (laughs) it all the time. And and like every time I'm watching, I'm like, if only I could cook like that, if only I could find those fresh ingredients. And I think as I'm finding new, I like to look for new recipes and just make them on a whim. And I think that being more mindful, like you can make, my kids just recently made fresh pasta with a friend and they made enough so that we could all have some in the freezer. So if you do embark on that journey and you do take the time to make it, make enough so that you can have it again in a short amount of time. So that's what we did and it was great. But I think it's just a question of planning a little bit better in your recipe endeavors, like so that you can find the things. One of the fun things to do with your family is like with the kids is one of the recipes is what's called caponata. And I think that's a Arabic origin, isn't it? So it's a... Um, oh, this is an exclusive then. It's not in the book. Okay, it's an exclusive on this episode. We have a come up with a YouTube channel with all these recipes and step-by-step. Including this one. Recipe, including this one. Ooh, so I'm awesome. all over that. Coming out very soon. When's it coming out? Very soon in oh, the next good. few weeks or so. We'll get that in the show notes too. So people have a direct link to that. But yeah, I'm we, sorry. we have a podcast and uh, we're coming out with a YouTube channel. And so... And What's we the have name of the issue? podcast for everybody, G? Sicilian Secret Diet. Sicilian Secret Diet and definitely want to. But yeah, it's you were on about- Spotify and uh, Apple. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about the caponata. We, we never got to that. So the caponata is a very exciting dish that they used to be done. Get all the fresh ingredients in the summer, tomatoes, onions, peppers, eggplants, and then add pine nuts and raisins in it, olives, Mm. and you mix everything together, all these, and capers, all these together. So the power of antioxidants in there is just dramatic. It's a superfood. Now, the way they did it in Sicily is that they fried every single ingredient separately, then they mixed it together, and then they did an agrodolce sauce with vinegar and sugar, and then added to the final, you know, mixture of all these ingredients and let it evaporate, and then you left it with this delicious, creamy, sour, and sweet sauce. Now, I created a different version where you actually mix it, you chop it, mix it all together. You just saute the onions, add the tomatoes to the onions, saute for a couple of minutes, and then chop all the ingredients, put everything together with olive oil, salt, pepper, and then put in the oven together for... uh, 45 minutes at 375 degrees, stirring it occasionally. And the last 10, 15 minutes, you add the vinegar with the sugar and increase the temperature a little bit to 400 degrees and let it evaporate. And it is, you know, absolutely delicious. Okay. So my last question before we end is, so what do you say about the person who's, you know, obesity is huge in the United States, 30%. I think I read something like that. It's crazy. Increased dramatically. 
I think these fat diets are popular because they're all promising to lose five to 10 pounds a week and doing all this stuff, but they're super unhealthy. What do you say to people who want to use this diet to lose weight? Will they naturally lose weight? Do they have to just add exercise or eat a little bit less? What would you say about how we could use this diet to lose weight? Our feeling about the diet, it's not really a diet, first of mm-hmm. all. This is a way of eating. It's a lifestyle, part of a lifestyle. And again, we have nutritional intelligence and we don't like the idea of counting calories. The portion sizes and the amount of food you eat depends on how active you are. If you're a professional athlete versus an executive, you're going to require different caloric intake. Your body should adjust naturally. And what we find is that's what happens. If you're used to the standard American diet or the SAD diet, where you're eating a lot of fast food, you're eating a lot of empty calories, your taste buds actually change anatomically. So you have to give yourself time to get adjusted to a newer way of eating. Once that happens, then you really enjoy this way of eating and then your body naturally adjusts to where you should be. I don't think the body mass index is a great measure of body composition, but you know we see your the weights go to where you should be. And that's been a very frequent finding that we've had. And studies that support the diet will maintain your weight loss if you lose about 10% of your total weight in a year, people that lose faster than that tend to regain the weight. Well, I believe that, yeah. So I always tell my patients, half a pound a week, which is doable, is 25 pounds at the end of the year. You know, you really have to be on that trajectory. You don't have to worry about drastically losing weight over a short period of time, which is probably not a healthy thing to do to begin with. And also to try to think about maintaining portion control seven days a week, including holidays too. So you can, of course, enjoy your piece of cake, enjoy your ice cream, but maybe be mindful that if you're going to have ice cream for lunch, you might want to reduce a little bit your carbs for dinner (laughs) and just be mindful of that, that just to know what you're eating throughout the day and what your body has taken in throughout the day. The idea is that this is like a Mediterranean diet pyramid. The bottom of the pyramid, which is big, you eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruit olive oil, nuts, and dairy occasionally, poultry, like chicken occasionally, once or twice a week, meat, maybe once or twice a month, fish frequently, at least two times a week you eat fish because the omega-3 content of fish is excellent. You know, the acronym that I usually tell my patients is SMASH, salmon, mackerel, anchovy, sardine, and herring. Those are fish that are very high in omega-3, very low in mercury. And there's studies that have come out recently showing that regardless of the mercury, the fish promotes health. So it's good to eat fish. And that's where a lot of the animal protein in the diet comes from. It's from fish. And then Sandra as a psychiatrist, she sees some remarkable effects on mental health. Depression and anxiety is now has been highly correlated to diet and inflammation, the same way any other chronic illnesses. And, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, everything has been related to low vitamin D deficiency, omega-3 deficiencies, lots of other vitamins and minerals, the deficiency, but also inflammation. So if we can reduce inflammation, good sleep, exercise, connecting to others, and definitely diet. There's been a very large study was done in England, over 6,000 children. The children that ate five servings of fruits and vegetables were happier than the children that did not. So the over level of happiness increased with the amount of fruits and vegetables eaten on a regular basis. 
Well, so really, this is really a life-changing book for me. I'm so glad that Liz introduced us and that we can get you on the podcast and reach more people. I'm looking forward to your YouTube. I'll put a plug in to maybe add somewhere a shopping list. I want a shopping list from you so I can go to store real easily and do that. And I'm anxious to see all the other stuff that you're coming out in the podcast is something that we'll learn from every day. Liz, before we close off, anything you want to say? or So I think we need a part two to talk about when we've been on the diet for a while, what's happened to kind of have a backup. But my real quick question is when you talk about chicken and meat, there's so many options now. There's organic, there's grass fed, there's no hormone added. Like what is the thing that people that are trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle, what should they be looking for when they're purchasing meats and chicken? So the same way, we were talking about know your sources, correct? And know where your chicken comes from, know where your meat comes from. And uh, so you want the grass-fed, the grass-finished animal. And the difference is when they say grass-fed, the animal could have been grass-fed only for five weeks, four weeks. That would be enough to put as a grass-fed animal. But a grass-finished is an animal that most likely has been really truly outside most of its life, has enjoyed its life, and has uh, not been grown too fast, to push to grow too fast. Yeah, you want the animals that have enjoyed their lives and had one bad day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bad day, yes. <laughs> so, and when you do have that piece of meat, eat it with gratitude all the time. Every time you eat something that was alive, and how is there for you to eat the experience and express your gratitude. But also remember small portions always. Meat can be beneficial, has a lot of nutrition also. But when you eat too much, our body don't like it. And fish too. I mean, if you're going to have salmon, it's good to have the wild salmon from Alaska because Alaskan waters are still clean. The small fish in cans are actually pretty good. They're not a lot of mercury. And if you like those fish, like mackerel, sardines, anchovies, you know, a can of that in a salad is great lunch, you know, as everything you need. The protein, it's got the omega-3s, it's, you got the fiber. So you were talking about your dad. This kind of diet is very high in fiber and fiber is key to either preventing or treating diabetes. In the same amount of sugar taken without the whole food has a much different effect on the body than that same quantity like in a fruit. Like if you eat berries or you eat uh, an apple, or if you eat, you drink a can of soda with that same amount of sugar in it, that's deleterious. While the fruit has so much fiber in it that the, the sugar gets into your body slowly, the glycemic index is low. So it's a completely different thing. So it, that's why the whole food, natural vegetable fruit diet is much better for you. And when your father's doctor says don't eat carbs, is talking about carbs in general. He's not talking about healthy carbs actually reduce diabetes. To help diabetes. Yeah, there's been studies looking at legumes in diabetics and treating diabetics and reducing diabetes. So it's again, the, these are undigestible fibers that are in legumes that are extremely good for the microbiome and extremely good for lowering both cholesterol and, and blood sugar. Well, they're coming over for Sunday dinner tomorrow and he doesn't realize it, but we're going to be serving ancient pasta to him and see what he thinks. So I'll see if he notices, but I'm excited about that. Gio and Sandra, thank you so much for being on today. This has been great. We are going to do whatever we can to promote your book and to see if we can get people to start eating healthier again. I know Americans are probably the busiest people in the world, but I think it's easy to accommodate your diet 
into their lives and without taking too much time. time. Right. At least some of the time. At least some of the time. I've been doing it for two weeks and it's been the easiest thing in the world. And again, Uh, you don't have to do 100%. If you do 70%, you're already on the right track. Yeah. I mean, in little things, I'm cooking with more olive oil and I'm using, you know, there's there's a lot of extra virgin olive oil in these recipes. It's almost in every one. So we stocked up on that. And there's a local shop around here that sells extra virgin olive oil with infused and basil and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, get the non-filtered, unfiltered, cloudy type. That's always better because that cloudiness is the really healthy polyphenols that you see. Really? Okay. There you go. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on. The name of the podcast again is? Sicilian Secret Diet. Sicilian Secret Diet. We'll put that all on the show notes. The best way to get in touch with either one of you. We have a website, the SicilianSecretDiet.com. And we have an Instagram also, Sicilian Secret Diet. Fantastic. We're looking forward to the audience hearing about this. And I'll let you know how my father does with the uh, ancient pasta. (laughs) I would love to hear that. My book comes today. I'm so excited. Okay. So great. great. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and hit subscribe. Encourage your friends and family to go ahead and download previous episodes. If you want to get in touch with either Liz or I, you can reach either one of us at yourseniorway.com. Gio and Sandra, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to teach us about good health. Thank you. Be well. All right. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment and review. To contact Dr. Orsini and his team or to suggest guests for future podcasts, visit us at theorsiniway.com. The comments and opinions of the interviewer and guests on this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and beliefs of their present and past employers or institutions.